Hey, thanks for listening to Tebs Talks, the premier useless podcast. Don't forget to give it a like, give it a share, and follow the podcast to hear more episodes. Hey, everybody, it is Tebs Talks, the premier useless podcast. I'm your host, Jason Tebs. What's up? Okay, so today I started watching uh, The Last Dance, the documentary about Michael Jordan on Netflix, and... It's made me realize one of two things. The first is that Michael Jordan, hands down, was the best NBA player to ever exist. And, you know, very well could be the best NBA player to ever exist, you know, going into the future, to infinity, right? He completely redefined the game, completely dominated the late 80s and all of the 90s. Michael Jordan was hands down the guy. And and the reason why I realize this now is because I'm predominantly a jazz fan. And Michael Jordan completely dashed the hopes of me as a jazz fan in 97, 98. He, he put a stamp on our franchise, and our franchise is not that we're cursed, but we are destined to never win a NBA title. So, to me, I was like, oh man, Michael Jordan took that away from us. And then also, I kind of grew up in the era of LeBron James, where I was like, you know, when I'm a teenager, LeBron James is killing it. So that's who I really associate as like, oh, he's he's the GOAT, right? But LeBron James, though he's, you know, the greatest basketball player of a generation, might be the second greatest basketball player of all times behind Michael Jordan. The second thing that it made me realize is like, I am not huge into the sport well I like sports but I'm not huge into knowing who everybody is knowing where they've come from where they went their stats their history I'm just there to watch the game but it kind of made me realize like oh because I was born in 94 and you know, during my early, early childhood, this huge boom of like Michael Jordan and my hometown team, Utah Jazz, making it to the finals, like that is actually why I would consider basketball my one of my favorite sports to watch, but also the one that I just hap- happenstance know the most about. The one that I actually do know the most players. The one that I do follow the most. And I definitely don't follow it that much to any real degree. But comparatively, it's like basketball is way above really any other sport. And I I think it's because I lived in Utah. And, you know, that 98 finals, I was like four years old so I kind of started to grasp like oh there's the game of basketball Stockton to Malone um 
Michael Jordan is just plastered everywhere. Like I, I caught the very, very tail end of it and I was very, very young when it happened. But, you know, the formative years of my life coming into understanding the world at large, that that's kind of what I associate with it. It's also why I like, you know, Steve Young and Brett Favre. I really like them as football quarterbacks. It's because they were the ones dominating in that time. Uh, and then a little afterwards. So, yeah, that's kind of what I realized while watching The Last Dance. Now, when I started the series, um, and this isn't so much a review of The Last Dance. This is just kind of my thoughts on me watching it and kind of what I've been thinking this whole time. When I started the series, I already knew how it was going to end. Like, I already know the story of Game 6 at Utah. Jordan hits the shot. Like, it's the shot. Now, what people don't um, give credit for is the Utah Jazz... And I think it was Hornacek, Hornacek, has a chance to win the game, like, puts up a game winner and misses it. Like, there was enough time on the clock where the Jazz got it back down to the other end and had a chance to win that game. Now, they didn't, right? Uh, you know, as we know, Bulls won 4-2. to Michael Jordan ends his career with a championship. Although I think he went to play on for another team. But like ends his kind of legacy with that championship. And I can't remember if it was game five that was a flu game. Or game six that was a flu game. One of those two. So as a Jazz fan. I I knew how it ended. And no, Michael did not push off. I've looked at that. I've looked at that play many a times because it comes up as a Jazz fan. It's the joke like, oh, we hate Chicago. We hate Michael. Michael pushed off. It's like, one, he didn't. He broke the ankles on, I forgot who the defender was, like completely breaks the guy's ankles. Two, um, the Bulls likely would have won in game seven. They were just the better team at the time, right? It was like... The Jazz were the second greatest team for those two seasons. The Bulls, by a wide margin, were the greatest team in that whole entire era. And you could probably play those finals a hundred times, and the Bulls probably win 75 of those finals. Right? They were just that much of a powerhouse team. It was almost destiny that Michael Jordan went out on top like he did. Minus, you know, I think he played for the Wizards after. <laughs> and I don't care to look that up. So so the whole time during the story, I'm like, the, the last dance alludes to their last season, that 97-98 season before, you know, Jerry Krause completely puts the organization on its head and fires Phil Jackson and... You know, Scotty Pippen and um, Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman, they don't renew their contracts. Like, okay, it's the last hurrah. Bulls haven't been good since. 
It's a fantastic documentary. It makes you realize just how dominant that man was at the game. The whole other level he played at compared to everybody else in that era. And that's coming from somebody that saw, you know, top five point guard, top five power forward to ever play the game. At least I think Carl Malone was a power forward. And, you know, maybe some people might argue that he's not top five. But if you if you argue that John Stockton isn't in the top five point guards to ever play the game when he single-handedly, by a massive margin, leads the league in steals and assists, I, I don't know. I don't know where else you'd put him outside the top five. It's like, hey, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas is up there. There are some other people. But John Stockton... He has those records, and those records may never be beat. See, see, these are the things, like, I'm realizing. I, I know these things because, you know, it was my hometown. They were they were always a bridesmaid, never a bride. They, they were two incredible teams that, like, made me love basketball. And I watched, you know, I watched the Jazz for a bit. The, the the Darren Williams eras, the the AK forty seven era, you know. Um we we had people like Carlos Boozer, um we had I think Paul Millsap at one point, um Donovan Mitchell, you know, we've we've had really good people come through the organization. And I feel like or I've personally felt like over the years, the jazz well, oh, we had one of the greatest coaches of all time in Jerry Sloan. How can you forget Jerry Sloan? Freaking one of the most winning coaches, at least at home, in the NBA. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame. Stockton's in the Hall of Fame. Malone's in the Hall of Fame. Like, you know, rest in peace, Jerry Sloan. He died recently. But the Jazz, after that 98 season, that 97-98 season, were almost destined to be playoff contenders, an organization that would get young rookies, develop them, but never had the means to push them to that next level. So they would go other places to try and achieve other bigger things. And I I don't think they're we've had the defensive player in um is it Rubio? That's been the defense no, that doesn't sound right. Why can I not think of it? Maybe it is, but I don't think it is. Um, you know, we've had the the defensive player of, I think it was last season and the season before, right? Like, we've always had good playoff contending teams. There was a dry spell in there for a, a while, but I feel like we've also developed great talent and then haven't been able to give them the resources to really push it to that next level. Donovan Mitchell is a prime example. You know, he comes out as a stellar rookie year. Might might have won rookie of the year that year. And now it's like, you know, he's just in the realm of a good basketball player. And he's on the Jazz, and the Jazz are like an okay team. And it it was rough to see the team get like just worse and worse and worse over over the years and go from you know, Western Conference champions to making the playoffs and getting trounced by teams like the Lakers, you know, 
You had Mike, or not Michael Jordan. You had Kobe Bryant's Lakers that were always in there. Then you got teams like Oklahoma City Thunder and Golden State Warriors that are in your conference. Harden with the Rockets. Like, you know, you just got these dominant people that you've seen all around the league. And your team just kind of suffer. I mean, we're no, like, Phoenix Suns or Sacramento Kings level, but... I've I've never seen the Jazz be great. And I don't know if I will ever see the Jazz win a title. Now, some crazy news happened this week. The Jazz got sold to the to a new owner and for the longest time larry h miller he was the guy that like cemented the jazz in utah and he was never going to sell the team he was never going to move them from utah when he died gail miller took the helm and she was gonna keep good on you know her late husband's dynasty of the jazz are in utah it's utah's team that's where they're going to be but a lot of people are like, you know, it's about time the Jazz move on, right? Salt Lake can't sustain a team. Or they can sustain a team, but they're never going to win a championship. Like, they don't have the resources to win a championship. But everybody in Utah was like, okay, the Millers are never going to get rid of the Jazz. Or at least, you know, not this generation of Millers. They're never going to get rid of the Jazz. Jazz are going to be here for a while, and we're just always going to be a mediocre team. Now we have a new owner, who I believe is a Utah guy. You know, grew up, I think he's not terribly older than I am. So he he knows that Stockton to Malone era. Um, knows what the Jazz are capable of, or knows what the Jazz once were capable of. And I don't think he's going to move the Jazz from Utah anytime soon. So, as a Utah fan, like, I'm glad, hey, my team is is going to stay where it is for a while. And maybe with new ownership, I don't know how much that's going to shake things up. Do I expect a title in the Jazz's hands anytime soon? No, I don't expect a title anytime soon. But it, it it's kind of like a new chapter, right? And it's it's a huge chapter for jazz fans and for the jazz franchise. I mean, it, it was really shaky for a while there if the jazz were going to stay in Utah. And again, it, it was Larry H. Miller who's like, no, I'll buy the jazz. I'll keep them in Utah. Like he is the guy that saved them or not saved them, but he's the guy that kept them in Utah and for the longest time, it was like the Jazz were our only sports team, right? We didn't have professional baseball. We didn't have uh, professional football. We still don't have either of those. We didn't have professional hockey. We still don't have professional hockey. At the time, I don't believe we had professional soccer. We now have Real Salt Lake. They have one, one title, I believe. So Utah has, of all its franchise history in professional sports, which is only two teams, we have exactly one title. The Dodgers and the Lakers just got L.A. two titles this year, which 
the cool stat is oh nobody or one city hasn't brought home baseball and basketball in the same year since the Dodgers and Lakers lasted it whenever they lasted it so weird stats there you know you see dynasties like Golden State winning all of those Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron winning all those dynasties like New England Patriots winning all their um Super Bowl rings we've had as a Utah fan we've had our neighbors to the east Denver Broncos win a couple championships I'm a Seattle fan so I've seen the Seahawks win the Super Bowl that that's great you know I was excited for that but Utah is greatly lacking in championships and a lot of that is because of Michael Jordan like we we directly have Michael Jordan to blame for that Scottie Pippen Dennis Rodman obviously in there as well Phil Jackson an amazing coach yeah, but it's it's the same reason Charles Barkley never won a title. It's just like if you if you played basketball in the nineties, you you just you weren't you weren't getting a title. There were some phenomenal players, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, Carl Malone, others that I can't think of off the top of my head. It's like they are never going to have a title, or they never really stood a chance, just because the Bulls were so dominant. I mean, 88 to 92 Bulls, dominant. Freaking 95, 96, 97 Bulls, dominant. It's just kind of crazy to see just the absolute extraordinary level that they were at. And it all ends in Utah, which kind of sucks. It really does. Now, other, other things... Um, I was born in Seattle, so I've always liked Seattle sports as well. So, um, you know, my favorite basketball team, Utah Jazz, but my second favorite team was the Seattle Supersonics. Then they got refranchised to be the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that was the biggest travesty in sports to ever happen, at least to me, is, okay, that was the third biggest travesty behind the Jazz losing twice to the Bulls um, for number one and two. But I want Seattle to have a basketball team again so bad. They just got a hockey team, which is neat. So now I'm going to be, you know, in the very little I follow hockey, I'm going to be rooting for the Kraken. Um, Also a Golden Knights fan. I got family in in Las Vegas. So, uh, you know, Golden Knights fan for hockey. But I I want Seattle to have a basketball team again because I think, you know, for me, it'll always be exciting, you know, if Seattle ever got a a basketball team again to be like, oh, man, watching the Jazz play Seattle. Like, I don't care who's on the Seattle team. I don't care what they're called. If Seattle gets a team back, they're going to slot right back into my number two favorite team. So it's like, you know. And other people in the Western Conference, that's why I really like uh, Kevin Garnett he, when he played for the Timberwolves. And for a while, you know, Timberwolves were my third favorite team. It went, it went Jazz, it went the Supersonics, and then it went the Timberwolves. That's just because it's like where I was from, where I currently lived, had family from Minneapolis. Um, so I liked the Timberwolves. 
and they were all in the same conference, right? So I saw them play together. You know, Ray Allen, one of my favorite basketball players of all time. Um, Kevin Durant got drafted by the Supersonics. Uh, Kevin Garnett for the Timberwolves. You know, just just a lot of history where it's like I, I'm realizing and thinking back on it, like, wow, basketball really does seem to be my favorite sport. And it's just likely all because of that whole era that happened. And I was so close to all the action. So other other sports, let's see, my favorite football team, Seattle Seahawks, obviously. Um, favorite basketball team, Utah Jazz, obviously. Favorite hockey team, um, I, I do like the Canucks, but that's more because of a joke. Uh, but if I had to say a favorite, probably Golden Knights, Oilers, just because family ties. Um, what sports am I missing? I mean, soccer, Real Salt Lake, they got us a championship, that's great. It's always fun to watch Real play against Seattle. Seattle's always had a good team. Uh, so I do like both of those teams whenever I can see Real and Seattle play. That's that's a good time. I feel like I'm missing a sport. Oh, baseball. Right. Utah doesn't have a baseball team either. Seattle has the Mariners. So that's, you know, slotted number one, obviously. And... Speaking of other dynasties in the 90s, freaking the Seattle Mariners, again, another team without a championship, even though they had they had freaking Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. They had A-Rod. They had um, Johnson. Not Johnson. Oh, what is his name? Yeah. Isn't it Johnson, the pitcher? Okay. Can't remember his name, but freaking one of the greatest MLB pitchers of all time. Like, so so much talent went through the 90s Mariners, and they don't have a title. So much talent on the Utah, you know, 90s, late 90s Utah Jazz, and they don't have a title because of... Um, I mean, the Mariners were cursed, and then the Jazz just... Nobody could beat the Bulls. So, it's like, for so long, I cheered for teams that was like, oh, we're never going to get a title. The Mariners were never going to get a title. For the longest time, the Seahawks were never going to get a title. I still hate the Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, they are my least favorite team in the NFL just because of the first time that the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl and got completely effed over by the refs. Like, it was such a crapshoot. So, I hate the Steelers. Um, Jazz, never going to win a title. I'm trying to think of, like, other baseball teams that I like and I like the Angels just because there were like three seasons in a row in Little League that I was on the Angels, and that's really the only association I have with them. They also have some pretty good, or at least had at one point. I don't know where everybody's gone since then. I do like the Oakland A's because I married into an Oakland A's family, um, and that's that's fine by me. They're you know an adopted team I really like, but funny enough, not a fan of the Golden State Warriors, right? Um, they weren't so much basketball family. They were definitely hockey hockey and baseball in my in-laws' family, in my wife's family. So, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of fun to get that nostalgia trip from watching The Last Dance and reliving, you know, being a child and being like, oh, it's Stockton to Malone, Stockton. And at the time, you know, again, I was like four or five years old. I didn't understand the whole concept of, Oh, we came second place in the national championship. All I know is the Utah Jazz were winning. 
right? And we had a couple, a lot of winning seasons after that. And, you know, I, my dad would be like, you didn't know how to say their names. So I would say, stopped into me own, stopped into me own. Cause I was just a little kid, right? Three, four, five years old. However, however old I was. Good times. Like just good nostalgia, good nostalgia trip, sad nostalgia trip in a way, but a good nostalgia trip. Nonetheless. Another weird side tangent that I'm going to end with. So there are, there's a certain type of video game called a, um, like a management game. So the, the number one game is football manager, um, where you are the general manager for a European soccer team. So it's football as in European football, what us Americans would call soccer. And that is by far the number one manager type game in the world. So you take the role of drafting the players, negotiating contracts and salaries, scouting players. You know, you make all those decisions. You're not actually playing the game. You're doing the job of the general manager. And for the longest time, I thought like, oh, I'd be really interested in playing a game like that. I think that'd be very interesting. I want to get into one. Except for two things. One... Um, football manager, I didn't want to pay retail price for because I was like, I don't know if I'm actually going to like this and I don't want to drop 40 bucks to play this game that I'm not going to end up liking. And then two, I don't know enough about European soccer to really grasp onto it. But I found this week one called uh, Basketball GM. So you, you general manager of a basketball team. And lo and behold, you know, it has a lot of names that I know because it's for the NBA. So I was playing this a little bit yesterday and today. And I did some where I was like, you just play with random players that aren't actually in the NBA. Just to kind of test out the waters. Because I was like, okay, I want to learn how to play the game first. And not focus on, oh, do I have superstars like LeBron James or Kevin Durant um, or Steph Curry, right? So I could learn the game, and then I played with, okay, I started in the year 2000, so I was like, I'll play the Jazz, year 2000, I had people like, um, Miller was on there, and I think I got like Hornacek's last season, anyway, it, it was like, my starting roster had some names I knew, so it was kind of comfortable there. And then just playing through and getting to, you know, this draft year and that draft year and recognizing this name and that name. And I got Paul Millsap on my team, and he carried me to the playoffs like three seasons in a row um, before the team completely devolved. And I had an awful, awful season where I got like 20 wins. But I came to realize that I truly am not a general manager type sports enthusiast. You know, my brother-in-law and one of my best friends, they are stat like they are sports nerds. They know all the people, they know where they've been, where they're going, where they came from, like they know some stat lines. They're they're in the zone. You know, this friend I have, 
he is probably the biggest jazz fan that I know. Um, and then my brother-in-law, just multiple, multiple sports. He just knows all these players. So this friend and my brother-in-law, we were at a Salt Lake City Bees game, and they were talking about these minor league players and, like, knew their careers. And they're like, oh, yeah, this guy, he was pitching for this team, and he went to the pros for this team for a while, and then he came back down to the minors and hopped around. like, And, and they knew all this stuff, and I was just sitting there like, I... And, you know, different people are interested in different things. There there are probably things that I could rattle off where they'd be like, okay, sure, yeah, you know, like, you know, an absurd amount about that. But I like watching sports. There are a couple player, couple players that I'll follow, a um, couple things that I'll look into. But, man, they are on a whole different level from me. Um, so I'm playing this, you know, general manager game for basketball. And... You know, because it's a game, there are quote-unquote mechanics where it's like, yeah, you just got to make sure that you have um, enough money to pay your players. And yeah, they give you stat lines, so it's like obviously the person with the bigger number should play better. It's like, okay, we don't have anybody good at center. Let's try and get somebody at center. This, that, and the other. Um, But I, I just got to a point where I was like, I don't have the desire to, like, really sit down and try and plan out these teams. I'm like, I just want to play the game. I think it's the same reason I skip cutscenes in most games, because I'm like, I just want to get to the gameplay. So, between, like, 2005 and 2000, or between the seasons of 2000 to 2006 in the simulator game, I was trying to keep up on things and, like, go week by week and be like, hey, how's my roster? Then it got to the point where I was like, okay, sim the entire entire season. How would I do? Make minor adjustments. Simulate the next season. How would I do? Make minor adjustments. Simulate, simulate. And just my team got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was just like, I don't, I don't have the mental stamina or energy or focus to just really get into these general manager type games or really look into the stats of these players and try and come up with trades and do all this. I'm like, I, I just can't do it. So the the best thing was the game was free, so I didn't have to spend any money on that. Um, and then I realized, okay, I don't actually want to play these general manager type games. So, I mean, it, it was kind of fun. I might hop on do it occasionally because it's free. It's pretty easy to do. I think one thing is just like I binged too hard on it. I should have just dipped my toe, play it here or there when I was, you know, I, I did the wrong thing where I just dove completely headfirst into played a couple hours of it. When I should have been like, okay, I'll play thirty minutes here, thirty minutes there, and keep it at that. So, but it, it was kind of cool to see like oh, this team's doing well, and, like, uh, you know, oh, like, real-life Kevin Durant got drafted by the Supersonics, but I think in this simulation he got drafted by Miami. Paul Millsap, you know, I get him on the Jazz. Uh, Funny enough, I got Kyle Korver drafted by the Jazz. There were actually a couple people where it was like, oh, the Jazz actually drafted this person, and I drafted them in the simulation as well. So... Um, I don't know. It was, it was kind of interesting. I'm not good at it. I was very, I'm very bad at it. You know, got a couple seasons where I made it to the playoffs, but 
lost in the first or second round. You know, it was always like, I think the best seeding I got was a fourth seed. My owner was not very happy with me. And I just got burnt out. And I was like, okay, I'm done. So I will be a sports fan that just likes watching the game, follows a couple people. Basketball will still probably be my number one sport that I get into and and know the players and know the history and, um, you know, get into a little bit. I also think it's one of the more fun ones to watch, which is interesting because, like, my wife likes really low-scoring games. She likes hockey. She likes baseball. But, one, I think hockey is a fantastic sport to watch, so I'm totally 100% down to watch hockey. Baseball, I think, drags a little too much. Um, and then it's like my favorite sport to watch is basketball and basketball's scoring triple digit points. Right. Um, I just like, like watching, you know, guys elevate above other guys and put the balls between their legs and do a 360 and just slam it down on the hoop. Okay. I'm going to end with probably a little controversial hot take. I know I've been all over this place or all over the place in this episode. It has been sports related. Um, but people are like, why don't women's sports have the same fan base and get the same attention as men's sports? Um, and there are definitely women, like women's sports that get more attention than the men's counterpart, gymnastics being one of them. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying like gymnastics is an instance where women get more recognition than men. Uh, volleyball also happens to be one. Um, there could be specific reasons for that. I'm not going to get into it. My wife just said from the other room, because it's the sexy sport, I was alluding to that. I was just not going to say it out loud. Again, I'm not saying it's a good, like that's a good reason to have woman, a woman variant of a sport more popular than a men's variant of the sport. That's just how the cookies crumbled. Is it sexist? Yes, definitely. But what I will say is let's take basketball alone and why men's basketball is just infinitely more popular than women's basketball. And that's just simply because men are better at basketball. And that is okay. There are probably people that are going to get up in arms with that statement and say, oh, a woman can do the same thing as a man can do. And it's like, that's just false. The physical composition of a man's body is different than the physical composition of a woman's body. I didn't make the rules. I didn't choose to be born a man. Like, call me sexist. I'll take that beating. But when I can watch LeBron James elevate his head above a 10-foot rim, do a 360 over Kyrie Irving or something like that, I don't know, I'm just throwing out other names, and slam a basketball through a hoop, and then there have been a handful of dunks that have ever happened in the WNBA, it, it's just a completely different viewing experience. And it is more exciting to watch men's basketball. That's that's just how how it how it's landed. That that's the reality of the situation. Now, one proposal I have heard is 
well, what if you lowered the hoop that women play on? And that brings a whole different argument of like, oh, you know, they they should be equal. Like, if you lower it, that's just confirming the patriarchy and trying to put women on a, on a lower peg and patronizing them. Thank you for... That, that was a really good word. That was the word I was looking for. Um, patronizing them. But it's like... It might make a more exciting game if the hoop was a little, little lower. And you could get these women just yamming basketballs over each other. And just slamming it into a hoop. It could be more exciting. Now, the the best counter-argument I've heard against that is... Well... Women have been training on a 10-foot hoop their whole lives, right? And if you suddenly change that to an 8-foot hoop, they're going to have to fundamentally change their basketball shots that they've been honing for years. So you're going to completely root, like mess up the flow and game state of all these women all over the world. If you just simply lower the basketball hoop. So it's like, where's the pro and con? Like, okay, the con is all these women that are currently established in all these NBA league or WNBA leagues, women's leagues all around the world, suddenly the hoop drops for them. Their shots have to be completely recalibrated. You know, does that completely mess them up after a whole lifetime of doing it at that level? But long-term is it better where, okay, you're going to have a new generation of women come up into the game where it is an eight-foot hoop, and now they can yeet basketballs over each other, you know, NBA jam them through the hoop, change their shot to work with an eight-foot hoop. Like, I can dunk on an eight-foot hoop. I can't dunk on a ten-foot hoop. I might be able to touch a rim on a nine-foot hoop, although I'm pretty out of shape. I haven't been that physical in a long time. So, Then again, I'm six feet tall, so I don't really have to jump that high to dunk on an eight-foot hoop. But would it make a more exciting game, and would more people watch? I, I think so. I do think if you lowered the hoop, maybe not eight feet, maybe eight and a half, maybe nine, I don't know, but... When you can slam dunk a basketball, that's very exciting. And it's just like, the game has developed so much, basketball at least, where high school kids are regularly slamming basketballs into the hoop. High school kids. That's crazy. There was, (laughs) my high school basketball team this this episode's turning into a long thing. I didn't know I was this passionate about basketball. But my high school basketball team, when I was in high school, completely sucked. Like, we were not a good basketball team. Pretty sure we had a losing record. The season after I graduate, the the high school basketball team wins state the very next season. Because they were carried on the backs of two brothers that could slam dunk a basketball over all these white kids. Like, just these two brothers 
were phenomenally good at basketball. Their whole family was. They were incredibly athletic. And they could just elevate and slam basketballs down. Like, it was, it's, just, it's just a whole different level. A kid that can get that high, get that elevated, jump that high, and is naturally that tall and, you know, works out and is fit and athletic and training is way better these days than it was back then. If you can get one of those outlier kids in high school, especially in Utah, that's just going up above the rim and slamming it down, that can carry a high school basketball team. And then at that point, it is mandatory to be able to do that to even be considered to join a college team. And it's like Steph Curry, who's all of six feet in the NBA, can dunk a basketball. It's like, I don't know if there's a single person on a current NBA roster that couldn't dunk a basketball. I just think that's kind of like a benchmark. Right? That's that's a benchmark that needs to be hit. And I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry that I would rather watch a high school basketball game than a WNBA game because I'm probably gonna see more dunks. I just I just wanna see somebody That's what Okay, my wife just said that's what makes it boring. Dunks are too easy. To which I counter, when you can drive a lane between two people and dunk over a third, I don't think that's easy. That requires so much athletic ability and strength to do that. Oh, my wife says it's not easy, but it's become easy. Okay, my wife says when it becomes a benchmark, then it's not fun anymore. But I counter with the bar is constantly raising. So, like, we're seeing more and more exciting things. Yeah, the, no, but it's not. If the bar were raising, it would, like, raise the hoop and then make it harder for men. She said if the bar was raising, we'd raise the hoop and make it harder for men um, to, like, say, an 11-foot hoop. That would be interesting to see, like, if you raise the hoop to maybe 11 feet, who could compete at that level, like, how that would change the men, or, yeah, how that would change the men's sports. I think the counter-argument to what you're saying, though, is, like, everybody's athletic ability in the NBA has gone up considerably. Like, it's a it's a different level. There's There's way more training. There's way more science. People are way more efficient. Like, they, there's a better fundamental understanding of the game as a whole. But it's like everybody's bar is raised together. So, like, sure, people are better at, like, getting it in the hoop just in general. But also the people defending that hoop have gotten better. And, sure, slowly but surely the WNBA might rise up as well and, like, be able to dunk more and score more and you know, this, that, and the other. But it's just like, when there's such a clear difference between the WNBA and just the natural results, like, they aren't getting enough viewership, um, they aren't getting enough support, like, from fans. Something needs to be changed. And that's something where it's like, okay, you could do something maybe radical to try and save the sport and elevate it to a new degree if you maybe lowered the hoop. Um Whereas men's basketball, I don't think the hoop needs to be raised because you have people, like, the score is just going up. 
on average, NBA teams are scoring more and more. People are focusing a lot more on offense. And it does. They, we don't need to raise the hoop. Sure, like people might be able to naturally score easier, but the people defending them should be better. The scores are getting higher. But I think it, for a basketball fan, just makes the game more exciting to watch because you're seeing more interesting points. You're seeing more slam dunks. You're seeing high-scorer games. Whereas like, people want to see the ball go in the hoop. People want to see somebody put their elbow into the basketball hoop because they jump so high. Like That makes for an exciting game that people want to watch. Now, I, I've, I already said you like low-scoring games, and that's totally okay. I can get – I can understand why it's – She says, it's not just about low scoring. It's about um, difficulty, like level of difficulty. Like, she, I can tell you that it is she is arguing that it's more fun to watch something like baseball because it's more difficult to hit an MLB fastball than it is to dunk a basketball, which I would agree. Hitting an MLB fastball is one of the hardest things scientifically to do in sports. I definitely agree with that. A fantastic... Like, baseball play is a thing of beauty to watch. That takes incredible athletic ability. But the game as a whole for, like, baseball is incredibly, incredibly slow. Like, that crack of a bat or that hit of a fastball is over in less than a second. And then you're waiting another 30 seconds for another blink of an eye pitch to happen. Throwing a curveball is a thing of beauty. Hitting a fastball is a thing of beauty. Those are exciting things in sports. It is amazing to watch that as well. I'm not arguing that. I'm trying to argue that it's more exciting to see somebody hit a fastball than it is to like see somebody miss a fastball. Right? It's more exciting to see somebody put a ball in a hoop than to not put a ball in a hoop. Because here's the thing. I personally, and maybe I might be in the minority, and you don't have to agree with me, but if if I saw, you know, people like Babe Ruth just cranking home runs game after game, like, that's exciting. Home runs are exciting. Home runs off of fastball are exciting. That required incredible sports talent yes it's harder to hit a fastball than to do a dunk i'm not arguing that i just think it's more exciting to see many dunks back to back than to see the occasional hit on a fastball that you know it took two minutes just to happen when in two minutes of basketball i could have seen five dunks and my wife just say that's why hockey's the best because it's best of both worlds And I would almost agree that hockey is the best sport to watch because they're incredibly physical. It's a low-scoring game, so scores are incredibly exciting when they happen. 
but you still have a lot of action going on throughout the whole three periods. So we can agree there that hockey might be the best spectator sport in our opinions. Obviously other people would have other opinions, but yeah, hockey, hockey is phenomenal. I've, I've just never been into hockey. So I, I, I can't speak on it as much as say your brothers or you or your dad, right? Cause you guys grew up with hockey. I'm a transplant into hockey. I grew up with basketball because I lived in Utah when the Jazz went to the finals twice and lost to the Bulls. And then I saw a winning team with one of the best coaches. So that just kind of, you know, my roots are in basketball, which is why I'm talking about it. So I don't disagree with you at all. I just I just think, uh, you know, you were arguing a slightly different point than I was arguing. Is that good with that? Yeah. Okay, cool. She's good with that. Uh, it was probably weird for you as the listener to hear like half that conversation and me have to relay what my wife was saying. Um, she's in the the room over, but that's where I'm going to end this. This was a 50 minute episode. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be a regular like 15, 20 minute episode, but man, I went on and on, um, which I am okay with. I think this is actually one of my more fun episodes to record, especially at the end once you got involved, babe. But thanks for listening to Step Socks. You know what to do. Follow, like, share the podcast. Um, you know, give it a give it a rating. Let me know what you think. Um, follow me on Twitter at Pummelhead. Buy my book, Five Keepers Moonbrook. And I mean, keep on keeping on. I hope you have a wonderful day. Peace out. Love you.